this summer we're bringing you double Koi gig. I think the amount of high scoring has been a surprise to me because I thought that the teams were closer than what they are, but the powerhouses seem to still be the powerhouses. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. Gaelic football on off the ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Now then, we are looking forward to an All-Ireland final on Sunday. It's Galway against Kerry, two of the traditional powers in the game. We're not expecting an entirely traditional matchup. We're looking forward to it nonetheless. Very happy to say Colin Boyle, four-time All-Stars with us, knows a thing or two about All-Ireland finals. Great to have you with us. Joel, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. No, it's great to have you on. The build-up to a final, you've had your fair share of these. Generally a week to be um, manoeuvred as opposed to enjoyed as a player? Yeah, it's it's a strange one. Um, I think the fact that there's just a two-week gap um, and the hurling final is only over a couple of days, I think that'll probably help the players. You know, there probably hasn't been much of a chance for a massive build-up coming into the game, you know. So I think I would have probably liked that as a, as a player because a lot of the time we had, we had three or four weeks and it can kind of, it can drag on certainly the last week or two. But uh, for you, it's just about getting through it. Really, the hard work is done and you're 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 honing in a couple of things. But really, from from when the teens played the semi-finals, they probably really have had three or four training sessions um, leading into the final, which is probably ideal, really, if you ask me. Away from training, Colin, did you tend to try and retreat into a cave the week of the final? Yeah, but look, we played in we played in so many. I probably had different approaches. Like er, early on, I think I would have taken like um, probably a couple of weeks off work leading into finals. I tried I tried different avenues just really to keep myself to myself and uh, really just laser focus on rest and preparation and food and hydration and everything you could leading into it but probably as time went on I probably relaxed a small bit more on it and just really worked up towards the the, the week of the game and, and a couple of days in the lead out to it but uh, stuff that might have maybe bothered me and in maybe the early years wouldn't have bothered me in the in the later years as, as I got a bit older and a bit wiser probably. Mm. What job did you do as a matter of interest? Um, a Garda. Okay. So, yeah, you, so you you couldn't really avoid maybe bumping into people. Yeah, exactly. Look, you're out and about. You're you're going to calls. You're out and about in the streets, and you're meeting people. So of course, and it would look in the Mayo. I, I work in Westport, so Mayo, Mad, uh, Town. Of course, you're going to be get, meeting loads of people and talking about the game. Um, like I said, that probably didn't cited didn't like early on, but as time went on, I just yeah, you get used to it. Do you ever arrest anyone and then they try to ask you how things were going ahead of the game on Sunday? <laughs> I've had a few, yeah, I've had a few instances, all right, like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, a few funny stories. I might be able to tell them now, but maybe again. I can imagine, I can imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, she's taken um, a week or two off work in advance of a final. That's eating into your annual leave, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think it was around the 16 final. I think I actually took a month. I had a planned um, pretty much the start of the year that I, I took had taken that month out in the lead up to the Alarm final. Um, it actually worked out ideal from the date of the semi final to the final, the exact dates that I planned. So literally, it's just a case of training, resting, and. But to be honest, you're looking back. I found that a long four weeks. So I, I don't know how the, the teachers managed to do it every summer. Um, yeah, 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 but, uh, yeah, but it, it, look, it was great in a way that I was just failed to, to prep. Did it help my performance in any way? I don't know because that actually went to a replay and I'd say I actually, you know, there was a two-week lead-in and I was back to work the following week. I think I actually probably played better in the replay than I did the first day. So, yeah. Well, you've taken the question out of my mouth. I was going to ask, was, <laughs> it, was there a correlation between taking time off and playing well? 
I, I, to be honest, I don't think so. No, I don't think it made much of a difference. I might have been able to train a bit better maybe in the lead up to it. Maybe there was a difference that way, but come the game day itself, I don't think there was a huge, huge amount of difference. So it sounds like your advice to, well, I guess a whole host of players who haven't played in the final ahead of this weekend is work if you want to work, don't work if you don't want to work, talk to everybody you meet, don't talk to anybody that you meet. A lot of it is just irrelevant and you can read too much into, God, if I had the perfect week, if I had the perfect yeah. week. A hundred percent. And everyone is different. That's the thing, Joe. And I, actually an old video popped up there on my phone of uh, of Declan Hannan and, and Kyle Hayes. Um, it was an interview after the 2018 final and, and Kyle Hayes said he was in a building site in Cork until until five o'clock the Friday evening for the final. And like to me, that would have been my worst nightmare. But for some boys, it's just what happens, happens, and they just get on with it, and everyone is different, you know? Yeah, I guess what you don't want is to be almost um, worrying about whether what you've done is right or not. That almost drains the energy as much as what what you're actually doing, I suspect. Of course, yeah, that, that's that's nearly, you know, a lot of what I would have done was actually try and plan out the week as best you can on a Monday or even a Sunday evening, just write down really what your week looks like, and if it goes too much out of sync, then you're trying to, trying to bring it back or tailor a few things into it, but... It's generally what works best for like a lot of them boys, you know, between teachers and so many of them are probably students. They're probably off anyway. A good few of them, I would say, just the age category of, of both teams. Um, so it probably has been a, a long lead in this week to the to the match itself. Was there generally a, a touch of emotion at training sessions? Were there speeches in the dressing room about what this means to you and your family and your county to set a tone for a week? Or did, did Mayo uh, try and almost retreat away from that because obviously Mayo in particular winning Sam Maguire is such a big Everest yeah um nothing really that stands out you probably during that spell like I said because you probably had a month in so you would have training weekends where you we'd gone away we used to go to Limerick actually quite a lot and and stay down there and train the Gaelic grounds just because the, the pitch was so good the Gaelic grounds it was kind of uh trying to replicate the Crow Park surface and we'd stay down there maybe from Friday to Sunday. And you, you look, you would have meetings and, you know, talk about different things. And there would, look, at you would delve into that side of it, the the, the emotional side of it a small bit, but try not to overdo it. Um, as time went on, I would say we probably went away from that a small bit more than and just really focused on, on really what was important in the game itself. Yeah, I suppose that is the the real advantage here that Kerry may have in, uh, to an extent. I mean, they, were, they haven't been in as many finals as Mayo, but that sense of experience that it is another game and you can hype this up to the heavens and actually the reality is the whistle glows and it's just another game it, it does sound like that mayo team you were part of got to a point where they were just very very familiar with finals and the occasion and and could actually treat them almost as just another game where they have to hit a certain level of performance it, that's exactly what i was going to say but it, just over time it just felt like another game it felt like a semi-final Probably it didn't feel like it to supporters, but it did to us, you know. Mm. Um, you mentioned Kerry there for Sunday. I think earlier on I checked the replay in 19. I would expect 13 of the team that started that day to start again the next day. So they have that kind of experience of being there playing in the final, knowing the kind of whole emotions that go with it and the mm. and the preparation that, that go into it and obviously the disappointment for them for losing it. So you would have to say in that regard, they probably do have a bit of a small bit of advantage over this Galway team, the the other side of it is if they do come into the last 15, 20 minutes and Galway are right there with them, there might be that small bit of edginess and that nerviness, especially that we saw in the second half against Dublin. It was really relevant there. So if you're poor with Joyce and Keen O'Neill this week, that's what you're drilling home to, to your team to really get your team down the home stretch and you're within striking distance of Kerry. As a final thought on all this, this broad area of 
build up and managing mm. hype and, and the occasion. Is there any advice you would give to a younger player who's experiencing their first All-Ireland week and into All-Ireland final weekend? Like I said to you, Andros, everyone is so different that, you know, what works for someone is, is, is not work, won't work for the next person. I know it's the most simple thing the word say, but enjoy it, you know, enjoy it. Like ah, I played it. Job. There's no yeah. enjoying it, is there? I know. Well, there is and there isn't. Um, like I said, I would have, I would have hide, hide it away for the first couple of years that I not want to talk to anyone on the street um, as time went on there, got a bit more sense and just, you know, enjoyed the whole, like they're magical days to be a part of, you know what I mean? And that's coming from someone who's never won one, you know, but they're unbelievable special occasions. Um, something you would have dreamt about as, as a young player. And to be honest, whoever wins the next day, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be envious of them. I'd be, you know, I was envious of the Limerick Hurlers the last day watching them on the pitch after the game. If Galway win it, I'd probably be, you know, slightly more envious. The fact that it'd be a lot closer to home. My border and club here is on the, or my club is on the border here with Galway and a lot of our club members would actually be Galway people. So, of course, you'll be, you'll be envious, but you'll have huge respect for them. Um, if they do win it, do get over the line and get the job done. Well, I was going to ask our Mayo people up for Galway here, or Kerry. <laughs> I'd say if you talk to a lot of, look, the big talk in Mayo is because we've been so close over the last couple of years, you will be a bit sickened if Galway come in and, and, and win this one after not coming from nowhere, but coming from the back of the pack or around the middle of the pack, as you could say. So, uh, yeah, it will hurt. It will hurt a lot of people, um, Mayo people, I would say, in, in that regard. And, you know, you will be. You will be jealous of them. There's no doubt. You wouldn't be human if you was you weren't. But look at at the same time, if they did win, it would be great for the West. Um, and they certainly they're noisy neighbours out the minute, and they certainly be a lot louder if they, if they do pull it off on Sunday. Worse again because it's like ninety eight all over again. Yeah, and probably even a bit more on top of that. I'd say obviously the last two finals in 96, 97 that time. But you know we were kind of nearly going at it for a decade, and and going really not getting close to a bare sem- uh, semi-final in 18, you know, so it's nearly it's nearly more on top of it, but the thing about Galway is, I know, look, they've a huge up, I think they've a right good chance of winning this game, you know, when it comes down to if they, will they have enough, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Galway had the foundations now to hang around there at the top table for, for a few years now, um, and that and that's going to be the thing for them going forward, win or lose uh, on Sunday, so look, at if they don't get it done on Sunday, that's not to say that they won't get it done in the next couple of years. Curious for thoughts on the two managers who have very different playing backgrounds and they are mm. at very different stages in their coaching careers, but they're two huge figures in GAA in their own rights. So Porrick Joyce, first of all, I really, I mean, as, as soon as Joyce got the job, he was talking about Galway winning All-Irelands to the point where I thought, I'm not sure is this the right way to mm. approach this? I mean, you're Porrick Joyce and everything and you have the playing career, but like there's a reality here and, and Galway are way down the pecking order. But he was militant about it. And then he had such a strange two years given COVID. Like in 2019, he takes over the Galway under-20s. They win Connacht, that's fine. And then he gets the big job. So 2020, given COVID, he has one championship match. Loses to Mayo, that's it. Because there's no New York. There's no London. So one game in the championship in 2020, lose to Mayo. And then 2021, again, it's straight knockout. They beat Roscommon and they lose to Mayo again, despite leading by five points at half time. So coming into this year, Joyce and Galway have three championship games, which is nothing. I mean, that's like half a Mayo mm. qualifying uh, run to an All-Ireland mm. final, really. Um, I like. Did you see this coming at all, Does it, you know, despite Joyce's big talk? I think I said to you the last time I was on that as soon as I heard Keane O'Neill was coming in, I, I knew straight away Galway were going to be better. 
Now, did I think they get to an Ireland final? No, but I, I thought that they would progress and maybe next year you might see something from a, from a Galway team in the latter stages of the championship. So they're probably ahead of schedule in, in that regards. Um, look at Amporek, what you said there when he came in first. I think we're all looking at the comments thinking right, he's, he's putting big pressure on, on his team and it can either go one way or another in, in that regards and it went the other way in him. Huge factors in that, as you mentioned already, with COVID, they never got a run at all. They were they were flying in the league, and next thing COVID comes, and our, the first game back, we we smashed them up in Chume and in in the first league game, and they never recover from that. Um, and look at it's taken until now, but look at sign of a good manager and a good leader. He realizes he needs help, um, and he got that help, and he got a top class coach in. You know, would Galway be in the final without Keane O'Neill? I, I don't think they would. Um, I think he's that good and I think he would have brought that much of a, a professionalism and a, and a, and a real cl- top-class environment set up to, to Galway. And could you give us a few more details on like top-class environment and what Keane O'Neill brings in that respect? Yeah, well, bearing in mind, it's, t- it's 10 years ago now since we worked at Keane. So I'm sure he's developed even further on at that stage. But like, I remember when he first came in, 2012, we were having training sessions that were lasting over two hours, nearly two and a half hours, because literally he would be stopping every drill, telling us where we should be, what he wanted to do. If a ball hit the ground, he was going nuts. We were doing punishment drills. And he was just, he was trying to develop, a, create an environment to create a mindset where everyone should be improving, everyone should be developing. And um, I suppose he just really continued that on. And he, he was doing stuff that we'd never seen before. And I think I've, I've heard James O'Donnell referencing this when he came in with Kerry then. He was the exact same with them as well. Like, And they would have had brilliant setups over the years and brilliant managers and management teams. He's, of course, had huge experience in with, with other teams, with Tip and... Uh, obviously, Magical Dare and Cork. Funnily enough, he managed to pull off a win against Kerry in, in that famous game in Porky Cueve um, a couple of years ago as selector. So, look, at he, he does add so many things to um, to a, a team environment, there's no doubt about it. Because I remember Tommaso Shea um, been slightly critical of Keane O'Neill before and, and one of the criticisms of him, fair or otherwise, I've never been in a Keane O'Neill session, but I can ask you, is that there was too much talking from Keane O'Neill in a session? Mm. And that's a fair point. And some boys would have felt that way. But I think if you if you grab a team who's willing to learn, like I think Galway would have been just desperate. If you're a Galway player, especially watching Mayo get to our Ireland finals and not being really where they should have been for the last number of years. And you're desperate to improve. If you just listen to this fella, like he knows what he's talking about. Like he has a, he's a really big ego, but he knows what he's talking about. And he he's, he's excellent in the, in the way he delivers information. So I know tomorrow, probably for the Kerry lads who would have won so much over the years they probably don't need to be listening to, to Keane for, for over two hours in a session they probably just want to keep it moving but if you're really willing to to, to try and improve as a team like the likes of a Galway uh, I suppose have been this year then I think he would have been excellent for them Interesting and like who knows how much pressure Joyce was under because I mean again it would have been entirely unfair but like life isn't always fair three matches and the way he celebrated that Mayo game this year suggested a man who felt like whew, you know, the, the knives almost would have been out for me early doors. I don't know if you were hearing those soundings down there at all. Yeah, I would say it was huge. Like if you if he loses to Mayo for three, three years in a row, loses to a James Horn team, you know, I'm not sure what goal we recovered from that. Going into the qualifiers, as much as an improvement as Keane O'Neill would have made to things, I think the confidence um, that would have, you know, if they didn't win that game, the, the knock-on effect from that would have been huge. Um, so I think it's, it's a massive, massive win and it's amazing what one win can do to a team, Joe. Like mm. literally everything follows on from there. It does feel that way with them. So then yeah. 
and Jack O'Connor completely cuts this point off at the legs, right? Because he doesn't have the storied playing career that Joyce has. But, you know, you played under Horan, for instance, who, who did do it in an All-Ireland final and played very well in an All-Ireland final and knows what it's all about. And you've played under managers who didn't have the same playing career. Do you suspect it makes a difference that it's Joyce telling players to do X and Joyce telling players to do Y given his playing career? Or is that largely irrelevant to a playing cohort who can't remember Joyce the player? Yeah, it's a funny one. Look, even if they can't remember Joyce the player, you know, their 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 families and their their fathers and their their mothers and their cousins, they all be telling them about poor Joyce and they would have seen videos and plenty of videos, I'm sure, of Galway winning the All Ireland over the years and obviously him being a central part of it. So look at I'd say earlier on, especially that initial, you know, whatever he would have said, they would have been hanging off his every word. As time goes on, then you need to obviously back that up with with results. But now the fact that they're in a final, I'm sure Park will be referencing the 98 team, the 2001 team, and it just might give them a small bit of extra belief maybe that they that they need. He might have been, you know, even something simple like talking about the homecoming, you know, he might mention what it was like in 98, 2001, coming back into Tume or wherever it was, you know, and it just might give them a small bit of a, a motivation coming into coming into the game on Sunday because it can be small things like that. Yeah. I mean, parallel universe and all that, you wonder what benefit it would have been to your Mayo team to have you know, real life role models who are like, oh yeah, 15, 20 years ago, we do that. You know, that, that, that happens, you know, it's not impossible. I remember this. I remember that. Yeah. And look, and that's the, probably the cycle we're trying to break. That's the cycle our team was trying to break because once it's done, you know, it's done, Joe. And, you know, as you said, then anthem is possible for any team after that, like, you know, so that's kind of the disappointing thing from, from my side as a player that we didn't get that job done and, and kind of break that cycle that's run about, but that's not to say, that won't be done over the next couple of years for, for the Mayo team. A word then on Jack O'Connor just before we take mm. a break. So sixth All-Ireland final as a Kerry manager, uh, looking to win his fourth senior All-Ireland. So a winner in 04, 06, 09. Uh, under 21, winning manager in 98. Manager of the winning minors in 2014 and 2015. Uh, has won five Munsters between 04 and 12 as a manager. Has won four National Leagues between 04 and of course this year. And then 1990s, it's like just an array of every school title uh, you care to mention. This guy is just managing royalty, like just serial winner. And whatever difficulties his lack of playing career might have had at the beginning, these days he walks into that care dressing room and says, I know what it takes, follow me. And uh, automatic buy-in, I would think. Yeah, that's just unbelievable when you go through the honours there. Kinda, kind of when you were talking there, kind of, Alex Ferguson nearly came into my head there, you know, not a hugely prevalent uh, playing career with winning titles, but just starts managing and just is relentless after that. And it's kind of like Jack O'Connor there, like, you know, again, no more when I chatted about Keane O'Neill earlier on, when I heard he was coming back with, with Kerry, you're just thinking straight away, thin boys are going to win the All-Ireland and, and here they are, you know, here they are. And look at so many of them boys would have been would be hanging off his every word and the belief just the fact that Jack O'Connor's there with them because them boys well a lot of them haven't done it David Moore Paul Ganey Paul Murphy obviously have uh, Jack Barry and possibly might be forgetting one or two more them boys obviously have but to have physically Jack O'Connor there with you no, no stone is going to be left unturned going into this final that obviously will give them a bit more belief Well it almost feels like the Kerry County board looked at this new golden generation who weren't getting over the line and they thought, crap, we can't let too much scar tissue break up. Who's the most guaranteed serial winner we can think of? Grant. Break the glass, bring home Jack. It, it yeah. feels like that's exactly what they did here. 
yeah, and we need to go obviously go old school on this, you know, and, and, and go back to the future a small bit. But look, at we, we mentioned Keane O'Neill later on, even Jack O'Connor, as, as brilliant as he is as a manager, has to go up north and, and, and get Paddy Talley, you know. So sometimes you're only as good as the, as the boys you have around you as, as a management team, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a really interesting move, move from my behalf, but I think a really smart one on Jack's behalf. Yeah, for sure. Listen, I want to talk to you about this game and get into some uh, specifics, which we'll do in just a moment. Our Gaelic Football on Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Colin Boyle staying with us. We're going to talk about the uh, upcoming 70 minutes in just a moment. Gaelic Football on Off the Ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Gaelic football on Off the Ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Now, very happy to say that Colin Boyle, four-time All-Star, is with us. He knows plenty about All-Ireland Finals as well. We've talked about, I suppose, the architecture and and some of the protagonists uh, involved in this final. To get into some specifics then, a lot of people are presuming largely through uh, Galway's approach that this will be a cagey game or certainly this will be a very cagey opening to the game we will not concede goals we will stay in this as long as possible this will be the Galway approach now if that is the Galway approach I presume as an opposition in Kerry if if one team decides this is going to be cagey there's not much you can do to make it uncagey well, you saw Galway against Derry in the semi-final. Obviously, Derry brought that more so than Galway, and Galway pretty much replicated it up the other end of the field. So, yeah, there's, look, there's a couple of things from that. On, on Galway's side, there's almost two elements of this game. Survive the early, on, the, the early onslaught that's likely to come away from Kerry and be in this game, like I said, with 15 minutes, 20 minutes to go to really test that Kerry resolve and see, you know, yeah, can you bring them to a place that they don't want to go? Um, early doors a lot of people are saying it's going to be cagey I think it's nearly up to Kerry in that regards I think we expect Galway to, to be cagey um, I think it's up to Kerry you know are they just going to hold possession if Galway have players back and they have two wing backs there protecting the D or are they maybe going to try a couple of long diagonals and just test out that Galway from back line test out Connor at least in the early doors because if you kick in three and you win one and it's a goal chance you know what I mean? It'll just completely break up the play and it'll make that Galway backline really, really nervous and, and edgy about, about what's happening. And that would have been typical Jack O'Connor's form over the years. And obviously, as Mayo people, we, we really remember that. He identified weakness in the Mayo full backline in the air and he, he went for it in the Ireland finals and they were just kicking in long diagonals. You know, Galway would be a lot more protected than that the next day. So it's will they be willing to take that risk? And if it does, it just might break up the the kind of pattern of play of, of possession over and back the pitch and, and looking to, to punch them holes. I guess if you're Kerry, you don't have much to lose there in that if, you, if you're if you holding possession out around the 45 or a bit further out and you decide to launch one in. I mean, if, if you don't win that ball, it's not as damaging as a turnover kind of on 45 and suddenly you're hit on the break. Exactly, yeah. And like I said, there's a risk reward to it. You know, obviously you can lose it, but I think the reward would be huge even psychologically. Just imagine Clifford going up the clouds and pulling one down, getting a mark or, or, or party coming off his shoulder and, and getting a score or a goal chance. You know, the crowd from that straight away is up on their feet and, and, and things can nearly start flowing from there. 
we already talked about the edginess that might be there in the Galway from backline wasn't tested against Derry. They were probably seriously relieved that Derry didn't try any kind of aerial bombardment after especially the last 20 minutes against Armagh and, and what happened there. But I think I think Connor at least will know in the back of his mind that there's something different coming here on Sunday. Um, so I think to test it early is the key for Kerry. And that uh, vulnerability in the Galway full back line and Conor Gleeson in the goal, is that to do with Gleeson? Is that to do with the full back line? Is it an issue of height or organisation or, or what is it? Do we know? I think Conor himself definitely looked edgy on a couple of them balls. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And even the one that he won for the second goal, he hand passes that away. And, and that can be just be a lack of maybe not being comfortable on the ball, um, especially when the pressure comes on you. So I think once the first one happened, the other two nearly came as a result of nerves. Everyone else can become edgy then after that. You know what I mean? I think, I, I think I'm think not sure it was a part Joyce that pointed out that a lot of the times his defenders should have been protecting him more. So they should have been blocking out the the, the um, attackers that were running in on, on loose balls. So I think I'm sure Kerry, or sorry, Go have been working on that a lot of mm-hmm. training and focusing on not just ball watching, that you're actually blocking out the, the Kerry attackers as they're coming in. I suppose one of the reasons we don't quite know what Kerry are going to do is that bar Cork and, and, and Cork are not as good a side as Galway, Kerry haven't come up against top class defensive setup. That's, I mean, that, that is the one test they haven't had to pass yet, the one examination. Yeah, big time. And they, and they struggled for long periods that game. You know, granted, it's in Porky Ring. It's a, it's a lot tighter pitch than, than Crow Park. But they really, really struggled. And it was only really when they unleashed the likes of Paul Ganey and the cavalry with 20 minutes to go. And obviously Cork started to tire as well. Um, that they really started to pull away on that. But it'll be very, very interesting. Like if you go through Kerry's championship campaign, like struggle for long Pierce against Cork, they weren't hugely impressive against Mayo, let's be honest, and really out of sorts Mayo team um, compared to the last couple of years. And then struggle for long periods in the second half against Dublin as well. A Dublin team that we all know now is no, not a patch on the team for about four or five years ago. So when you kind of add all that up, and your poor Joyce and Keane O'Neill, that's nearly feeding into your belief that, hold on a second, we bring a performance here on Sunday. We have a right good chance here. Mm. I mean, the other, um, and you, you mentioned at the outset, that, like Galway's aim is to stay in the game, take Kerry to a place they don't want to go in the last 10, 15 minutes. And are, are you getting there at the fact that like Kerry haven't got over the line yet in a final? Galway have no scar tissue as such. Kerry have got some and... Look again, unfortunately, I don't like to bring it all back to your experience, but you do know what it's like to be a side in an, all, in an All-Ireland final where at the back of your mind you're thinking, for some reason we haven't got over the line here before and now we're in a battle. I wonder are we you know, less likely to get over the line for whatever reason. Does that cross players' mind, do you think, in the last 10, 15 minutes? Did it cross your minds in the last 10 minutes? I'm not sure if it, if it crossed my mind or not. There's nothing really specifically that stands out, but definitely, even in the crowd, there's nearly a small bit of an edginess. I would even say the Mayo crowd in the last 10 minutes of the game, especially if there's a, a missed shot or um, a mistake by one of our players, so, suddenly there can be something there that can nearly trigger a, a sense of emotion, you know. But I forgot. Sorry, were you, were you, because I, I totally agree, haven't been in plenty mm. of those crowds, there's a groan of familiarity and looks of here we go again. Could you hear that as a player, yeah? Ah, uh, you would, yeah, you would. And even I think the 17 final, I think I was off the pitch for the last 10 minutes and I, I, after Leroy's goal, we made a couple of mistakes and I think we kicked a wide or two and you could feel the sense from the crowd that they were really getting edgy. Not saying that that had any effect on the game or anything like that, but yeah. when you compare it to Galway the next day, I don't think that'll be there. You know what I mean? I think I think Galway supporters will be quite happy for Tim to be within a, co- a point or two with of Kerry 
coming down with 10 minutes to go and really happy with their team's chances in that in that 10 minutes you know mm-hmm. god that's fascinating Boyle blames Mayo crowd will not be the headline. <laughs> no, they're piece. brilliant. They're brilliant supporters. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> so that, that that must be there. Look, Kerry was like, geez, Tyrone got us. And the year before that, we couldn't get over the line. So maybe it's in the crowd. Maybe it's in the ether. These are these things are hard to define. But like the fact that you mentioned it in, in the conversation here in Galway are probably thinking that way suggests there is something to it that almost we get into the last 10 minutes. Psychology is a funny thing. And Galway have nothing to lose here in that last 10 minutes. Kerry have quite a lot to lose. I really don't think Galway have, have much to lose. Obviously, it's an Ireland final. It's nearly a mad thing to say, but just throw everything at them. All the pressure is on Kerry for me. Um, you know, they've been expected to win probably the All-Ireland since Jack O'Connor took over. Obviously, brilliant throughout the league campaign. They've probably been hit or missed through the championship, you know, but they've had that huge win against Dublin now. And that's kind of the the monkey that's been on their back for the last few years, bar winning the All-Ireland, is, is that Dublin team and getting over them. them. If that done, it's now to win the All-Ireland. But nothing else more than that will do for them and their supporters. Like, Could you imagine the reaction on, on Sunday night on Monday and into next week if Kerry don't win this All-Ireland? It'll be absolutely huge. And there's absolutely no doubt that that will cross their minds this week. But it's as we've already said, it's in that last five or ten minutes. Like if Galway went one, one two up, with, the, with five, ten minutes to go, that's when we're only going to see yes. that the resolve that's in the scary team. Is there composure in that team under yeah. those circumstances? Mm. Ara O'Shea in the Irish Times mentioned a few worries. He said, one, Shane Walsh hasn't cut loose yet. And there's always that fear when almost their best player hasn't cut loose yet and has a point yeah. to prove. Uh, he said, my other worry for Kerry is that the bench hasn't brought very much to, to the table in recent games. So again, that plays into your last 15 minutes point. Is that a fair critique of the Kerry bench? Um, it is. I'd say Jack O'Connor would have been seriously disappointed with the impact against Dublin. Bear Paul Murphy. Um, I thought I thought he was really good when he came on, and obviously had a crucial play in the in the last score that they got. Um, but I think that if you're asking me between the two benches, who is the strongest? I'd say it's still definitely Kerry, and still the most likely to maybe have an impact on on Sunday. And I'm sure Jack O'Connor would have had maybe uh, quite an input input after the game the last day, and maybe given them a bit of a fire in the bellies that he needs more from the bench going forward it just looked it did, they didn't look like themselves in that regard but I definitely expect them to be better the next day So you said uh, a couple of moments ago you do expect Galway to take Kerry somewhere interesting in this game that mm. suggests you do think in that opening half hour they have a fair old chance of keeping Kerry at bay and keeping things cagey so how are Gal- Galway going to stop this Kerry forward line and, and like who's going to take who is there any matchup you think that really plays into Galway hands because we're looking at the Kerry forwards and if they're in the mood, they're in the mood. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad, Joe. Um, look at the obvious ones. Everyone is talking about Thomas Sullivan, Walsh, Foley, Foley and, and, um, and Comer. For them, it's going to be an ideal situation that Matthew Tierney is going to drop out the pitch so you have Morley to naturally play as a free defender and he's going to obviously, I think he's going to pay a lot more attention to, to Comer and, and Foley in particular. Um because if you if you let Comer get the ball, it's often too late because he's so powerful, even if he's got a couple of defenders in front of him. So I think he'd be trying to cut off that ball into Comer's path an awful lot. I think they'd be more happy to let Tom O'Sullivan almost go one-on-one in a in in a in a certain way on, on Shane Watch. But up the other end for for Kerry, um sorry, for Galway in their defense. Look at I, I'd be shocked if Kelly doesn't pick up uh, David Clifford. Um I think it'd be lean silk on, on Sean O'Shea, especially if he starts inside. 
And then obviously their two wing backs dropping into the D. I would I would expect Kieran Malloy to pick up Paulie Clifford and almost play at centre at back and just go with him wherever he goes. And that will leave Dylan McHugh and John Daly almost to play them them two on the D, uh, the two spare Galway half backs. If Gavin White doesn't play, I'd probably expect Johnny Healy almost to switch wings and play almost on, on Stephen O'Brien when Kerry get the ball and pick him up, which would free McHugh to, to drop in and play one of them free half back roles. Yeah. So say Sean Kelly takes David Clifford, mm. our, our fullback, and your tallies man. Yeah, I, I, I saw the point made that uh, for certainly two of Clifford's points, they came when Mick Fitzsimons vaunted up the field and left yeah. the likes of you know Gannon Merch- Merchant, Merchant, you know, yeah, Merchant. You keep an eye on him. I'm I'm up here to contribute, and and then bang, turnover, work it to Clifford, score. Would you advocate if you're Joyce and Keen O'Neill and you're you're trying to plan for the day with Sean Kelly? Don't worry about going anywhere. Don't leave him for a second. If I mean, like, I mean, I, if you're coming to the field, you need to score uh, uh, the greatest goal of all time here. Otherwise, sacrifice yourself absolutely and don't contribute to our play in possession. Is that how you'd advocate marking Clifford, or is it just easy for me to kind of pick out? Well, look, Fitzsimons happened to go forward in these two instances, therefore. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point. I think there's two things in that almost. I think Jack O'Connor is probably Clifford told, you know, you probably haven't the training done that you, you that we'd like you to have done. We don't want you running 80, 90, 100 yards back the pitch after your man. Pass him on to a Jeremy O'Connor or to a Jack Barry or someone like that that'll track him down the pitch. And then you, as you have already pointed out, you'll get isolated with someone who probably doesn't want to be marking you. So I think you will see exactly that if Sean Kelly does take off the next day a Jeremy O'Connor or a Paddy Clifford or someone going with them like that and leaving David Clifford close to goal and most importantly saving his energy mm. the other side of that if you're part of choice you might actually learn from that and do exactly what you said and say Sean you're brilliant at going forward and you're a real attacking threat for us but we've all the boys that can do that we need you to really just do a job for us even if you don't touch the ball the next day just hold Clifford to the least amount of scores possible yeah and so if you're Liam Silk or you're Jacqueline and Sean Kelly takes off are you screaming saying get the back here now yeah I think so but even you said it there like Jacqueline that's the last you know the last thing you want happening is Jacqueline marking up uh, David Clifford you saw it there with Merchant as well just physically it just yeah, it's it not going to work yeah and Liam Silk is going to have enough on his hands with Sean O'Shea I think as well so I think Kelly will have to be really disciplined as much as he mightn't like it as much as he's so brilliant at going forward I think just to do a job for the team you just you just do this job and obviously uh, just try and take Clifford out of the game yeah, like it's going to be such a uh, an intriguing game and interesting mm. game in so many ways. Like a defining memory for Mayo fans of the Kerry game will be Killian O'Connor 15 yards behind Tom O'Sullivan having to sprint back towards his own goal. And, you know, Tom O'Sullivan uh, coming up the pitch is, uh, I mean, he probably is his all-star bagged. He's been one of the, the players of the season. So say it's O'Sullivan on Shane Walsh again. Do you say to Shane Walsh, well, when Tom O'Sullivan goes, let him go, pass him off? Or do you say, listen... What could be more inspiring than marquee player chasing back and, and, and taking Tom O'Sullivan down? I mean, these are the, the kind of uh, dilemmas, I suppose, that Keen O'Neill and Joyce will have. I, I guess Shane Walsh dictates that because he has to decide whether to go or not. Yeah, he does. And they're probably slightly different in the fact that Walsh will be a bit deeper out the pitch, I would suspect, uh, for most of the game. You'd expect Clifford to obviously be inside. Walsh is kind of roaming around the half-forward line. So he might have no option with it but to go from, especially if the ball breaks up and it's a turnover or something like that and you literally don't have time to pass them on, you have to go from. You made the point there about Tom O'Sullivan. Often, he does so many man-marking jobs, but often the best form of defence for him is to attack. 
yeah. and get his get his man on the back foot. So I think you'll see him doing that as much as possible the next day and really trying to get back Shane Walsh back defending. Yeah. And I, it's a bit like, um, I mean, we talk about it in soccer where there's um, a wing back and it's like, does the winger spend more time defending that wing back or does he gamble and, and wait mm. in the wing? You know, and, and it's mm. like this game of of cat and mouse yeah and gee i i you'd probably have a sense because you we would make forays forward what tends to dictate who wins that like is is tom o'sullivan gonna spend more of his time going forward and shane walsh thinking bloody hell why am i going back towards my own goal or will it be the opposite why why does one tend to happen over the other yeah it's a funny one and look obviously the perfect example is lee keegan from from playing with them over the years like i could never really understand why you detail you know if he was trying to pick up one of their talisman why you'd be detailing that talisman to track him down the pitch get someone else to do it and pick him up from from general play it can be easier said than done obviously you know especially on a on quick turnovers but it's but it's one of the great parts of the game as well you know what i mean tom o'sullivan like it will be fascinating you know seeing o'sullivan going forward and if it's watch going after him as you said watch turn them over even down the other end of the pitch and the lift that gives his team and it gives mm-hmm. the Galway crowd as well mm-hmm. and coming back up the pitch so that's a really that's going to be a really good battle between them two and I think Darrow Canada has made a really good point I was actually thinking about this during the week it's almost set up for Shane Walsh here you know he's been even go back to the Mayo game he was really quiet kind of finally played well from play Armagh game quiet from play and Derry game quiet again from play but he's nailed his freeze importantly but this could be nearly set up from a really big performance from play. And if he does, you've got to be thinking, Jesus, it could be really go his day because the lift again, that will give his teammates and the crowd if he, if he just caught fire. So as we begin to kind of segue towards uh, the end of this conversation, you're really suspecting Galway are in with a massive shout here. I think there's a huge chance show. I do look at, I think Kerry, they've got a couple of exceptional players. There's no doubt about it. The obvious ones. I don't think they're an exceptional team by any means. And I think I think they do have weak links and 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 areas to be got at by Galway that we've kind of already spoken about. It's just if Galway will have enough to to do it. I'm I'm not hundred percent sure on it, but I can see this going right to the wire. And I know I've t- I talked to a lot of people in the last week who don't feel it's going to be that way. They can see this being quite comfortable for Kerry. But the first 20 minutes we've already mentioned, they're 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 key for me. If Galway stay in that game. And, and really just um, keep within arm's length of Kerry at all stage. I, th- I think they have a right good chance coming down the home stretch. And so will Galway open up down the home stretch? Is that what, like, or will they stay cagey the full 70 or will, will scoreboard dictate that? Scoreboard will probably dictate um, if they've come out and play. But I think naturally in the second half, I think normally in games, it normally does open up regardless. You know what I mean? I think we will see that bit of cages early on. But I think after, especially as you go into the first 10 minutes of the second half, I think they'll naturally open up and naturally more players will go forward when they have the ball, especially if they're maybe two, three, four points and they're trying to trying to chase the game down a small bit more. And I tell you what, they're fit, Galway. You think of McDade's goal an extra time against Armagh, like they've gone to as deep as you have to go. Yeah, there would certainly be no issues there. Um, definitely not. I look at it against Armagh, I was at that game. I thought they were the better team throughout the 70 minutes, but certainly an extra time, even though it was actually them trying to chase the game back. I thought they looked they looked in really good nick that day. So there'd be absolutely no issues on, on that regards. And I think, look, if Gavin White, I don't we haven't really mentioned him, if he is in doubt, or sorry, if he is out for Kerry, he's a huge loss because, okay, he hasn't been brilliant so far in the championship, but he's the one player for Kerry obviously bar Tom O'Sullivan that you would fear from deep like if he wins the ball or comes onto a ball 60 yards from goal it's actually a goal chance because he'll break a line and everything else will just open up from there so 
if he is out for Kerry, I think that's one definitely one less headache for poor Joyce and Keane O'Neill. Yeah, well, I guess that's the other aspect of a final, isn't it? There's often a player for all the build-up that people haven't really honed in on who does something brilliant and is inspired. And that's almost like a one of the great traditions. And it's been a factor with Galway of late, whereby at the start of the year, we talked about Conroy and Comer and Walsh, and they're the three and they're playing well. So Galway are playing well. I would say in the last couple of games, honourable mention of Comer, of course, in the last day. But yeah. others have really stepped up for Galway in a way that six months ago you wouldn't have pointed to. 100%. And I think that's one, probably one of the most pleasing aspects for poor Joyce. Like, you know, your tyrannies. I thought John Daly was brilliant the last day. I thought he was really good against Armagh. Probably a bit of an unsung hero, I'd say. Yeah, Finner, Finner, Finnerty was quite the last day, but I thought he was brilliant against Armagh when they needed him. So there's so many aspects. And Conroy, his form definitely has waned from his, his early season form, I would say. But he's still, he's still so brilliant in so many aspects of the game and himself. I actually noticed something around during the week. The amount of throw-ins Galway win is actually unbelievable. Um, I, I think in the five, uh, sorry, the four major games they played, including extra time against against Armagh, they've won nine out of the ten throw-ins themselves and Tierney. Mm. And they've got four or five scores from that. I think even small things like that, just driving your team on, uh, getting up, winning the throw-in, driving your team forward and getting a score on the scoreboard, just settling and everything down for your team. Mm. Um, I, th- I think with, without him being exceptional, I, th- I think he's been really, really good in the championship. And I think McDade has just given them a new sense of light. And probably that bit of legs that they need around Conroy, just getting up and down the pitch, mm. um, has, has been vital for them. And the last one, column, it's like a gaping hole in any preview now if you don't mention kickouts. They're so integral. Yeah. So are you yeah. anticipating anything interesting in kickouts from either side? I think pretty much what we've seen from, from Kerry, I think they would press as high as possible on Conor Gleeson um, and try and force him long. And obviously, if you're Gleeson, you're, you're trying to avoid David Moore now around the middle. I would expect him to match up with Conroy and, and Barry on McDade, the two kind of more mobile guys on each other and the, the two elder statesmen, obviously, uh, of either team on each other. So I think for Conor Gleeson, I would be very surprised if you if see uh, many kickouts, short, short kickouts the next day. I think an awful lot of them belong and be looking for the likes of Tierney, Kelly, and Damien Comer actually comes deep an awful lot for kickouts and tries to r- win them around the center forward area. I see. I think you'll see that an awful lot and avoid right. kickouts around to the D where you're giving the likes of Sean O'Shea, Clifford, these guys a chance to to get in and make a turnover. It's just not worth the risk. It's amazing yeah. all, the year, all those years Cluxton had bobble at five yards to his right to fullback. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, used to be very frustrating, you know. <laughs> used to be very, very frustrating because you know they're coming straight down the pitch at you. You know, I think even yeah, what you might see from both sides is a lot of directness from kickouts and trying to wing them long, and that's where you might find, especially from a carry point of view, when you're long kickouts, that's when Galway actually might be most open. You yes, know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and try and get that direct ball in early into into O'Shea and into obviously Clifford inside. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't wait for it now. You've set that up beautifully. So uh, give us your final overarching, we're going to play this on a Monday because you've called what's going to happen so perfectly, uh, answer. Yeah, look, at uh, all logical thinking kind of points towards a Kerry win, really. Um, but I just think, oh, we have such a massive opportunity ahead of them. Um, I, I still think, oh, or sorry, I still think Kerry just will do it. Um, this, the Jack O'Connor factor is a huge factor and obviously the two exceptional players I've mentioned already, O'Shea and Clifford, I think when it comes down to it, as you saw in the semi-final, you know, and O'Shea pulling out that free that they probably just will have enough with their bench on top of it to get over the line. But I think it'll be, it'll be a hell of a battle and if it is Galway that comes out on top, I, w- I won't be hugely shocked. Right, okay. Got all this like, Kerry have won the All-Ireland 
procession talk in the immediacy of the Dublin game has really watered down. I mean, everybody's predicting a really tough game now. So hopefully it's a great final. Our Gaelic yeah. football coverage on Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GEA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Uh, Colin Boyle, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Gaelic football on Off the Ball with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more.